The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, and thanks for joining me this week. I really have a special treat for you. It's kind of a departure for some of my usual shows. I have with me today Dr. Jason Carthen. And why I say it's a departure is because he has a phenomenal personal story that I think you're all going to enjoy hearing. And it's a journey that's led him to really helping others live their dreams and building great organizational cultures. Now, Dr. Carthen started out uh, way back when in um, Ohio, and he became a football star in high school, and he went on to be part of the NFL, played for the uh, New England Patriots, and then the Jacksonville Jag- uh, Jaguars. He was a linebacker, um, and if you saw him personally, you would definitely know he was a linebacker, and then went on uh, and played another year in NFL in Europe, um, lived there for a while, and did some really special work there. And then he went on and got his master's degree uh, in ministry and then a PhD in organizational leadership. So it's quite an interesting story. And why I think the story is of particular note is because when I met Jason, which was a couple of weeks ago at the Ultimate Culture Conference in Chicago, he was a speaker and I was a speaker. And I was so taken back by his presentation, his discussion, his sincerity, and how he moved from professional football into really an inspirational leader uh, was just phenomenal. It just took me back. He now has his own radio show, actually, on iHeart Radio, WHK 1420, and has written many books, has been interviewed on numerous TV shows, is a world-renowned speaker, author, motivational speaker, and actually started out as a homeless young man. So I would have to say this is an individual that has to be so proud of the journey that he's taken and what he's doing to help others. So Jason, thank you so much for being with the show. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that you agreed to make the time to talk to my audience. Oh, 
Linda, thank you so much. And that introduction, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I appreciate that. Wow. Well, it is true. Um, you know, you are an inspiration to everyone. And so tell me, tell me, tell me your story, Jason. How did it start? How, how did you get to where you are today from where you started? Wow. Okay. Well, I guess I'd have to, I'd have to go back in order to go forward. Uh, my reality, and, and you alluded to it a little bit there in the introduction, but there were times that um, it was a struggle. It was very much a struggle. There were times that I was homeless. There were days that I was trying to figure out where I was going to lay my head or if I was going to have enough food to eat. Uh, and it was a challenge. You know, I grew up in a single-parent household and never knew my father. Um, it wasn't until I was an adult uh, that I had any sort of uh, connection to know who my father was. And it was difficult. But, you know, Linda, there was never a point that I wanted to give up despite not knowing my father, despite uh, walking the streets, you know, some days and and just really being concerned, uh, but still trying to make it to school, you know, and, and learn and and engage. I mean, there were a lot of issues that, you know, they really could have taken me out uh, back then. I reflect yeah. on it a lot. Could have taken you completely now, could have taken you in a completely different direction. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and you're dead on because there were times that, you know, the temptations were there. Um, yeah. and, and there were a lot of there were a lot of times that I couldn't fill in the blanks. I didn't know why it was happening to me. I think that was the biggest question yeah. because Linda, I saw my peers and I saw others around me and they obviously they didn't know my story, you know. <laughs> they didn't know that well, you know, I had the, the one outfit, and I'm showing up at school, and there's some challenges, and and all these different things. But I would question why is it different for them, and then why is my lot in life the way it is right now, you know? So those were those were some tough times, and I didn't have anybody to fill in the gap for me and maybe give me some clarity around that. So that part was hard. And you know, it could have it could have made you be really bitter, but but it didn't, which is no, a no, wonderful thing. Yeah, it didn't. As a matter of fact, I tell people <laughs> it's so funny. I tell people all the time that at the end of the day, it's you. You're the one that has to make a decision about no matter what your life circumstances may be, whether or not you're going to move forward or you're going to press the pause button for the rest of your life. And I, I knew for me there was no way I was going to do that because I knew there was something better. I had examples all around me, so I knew that my situation was unique in and of itself. But I just knew that I wasn't going to be bitter. I was going to maximize every opportunity. And, you know, to your point earlier, it was just... It was a matter of time. As long as I was able to stay focused and uh, not become bitter, the things were going to move forward. I was always optimistic about that. Yeah. Well, your mother must have played some really constructive role there for you. She did, but my mother had a lot of uh, stress and a lot of challenges. It wasn't just me. I had siblings as well. And, you know, she did the best she could. She did the best she could. I saw, I saw domestic violence. I saw a lot of things mm-hmm. that, you know, really I shouldn't have seen. 
<laughs> I'll put it like that. And, yeah. you know, and as a kid, ways, you shouldn't have seen, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You know, in some ways, it robs you of your childhood. And you have to try and figure out, where do I compartmentalize this? You know, it doesn't really make sense, you know, so I'm just going to file it away, and in some ways, I'll ignore it. So she did the best she could. Um, and again, you know, I, I kept going back to the whole idea that there had to be something greater than this. And that's really what propelled me. And, and remembering that at the end yeah. of the day, it's you. I have to make a decision, you know, and follow through. Yep. Yeah, and it is all. And, and it is true. You can't control anyone else. The only person you can tr- control is yourself. And the only decisions about how your life is going to be are the decisions that you make personally. And obviously you made some very good ones. But how did you, you know, so how did you get into the football journey? Did, did somebody, you know, who helped you along the way? Yeah, great question. Who helped fill in those gaps? I think early on, Linda, it was, it was one of those things that I could have went down a different path. But one day, I'll never forget this. I'm walking down the hallway uh, there in school, and there was a coach that reached out to me, and he was like, hey, son, you got some size on you, and you know what, why don't you come out and play sports? And I thought, play sports? And he said, I want you to come out and play football. And I said, play football. Now, up until that point, you know, I wasn't really sure you know, what that would consist of, but then he told me, hey, you know what, uh, I think you would do well. You get to run around and hit people. And I said, hey. You said hit people? Man, come on. I, I can hit people and not get in trouble? Okay, then, then I'm going to do it. And, Linda, that was, my, that was my moment. It was my way of releasing stress and yeah. also developing discipline. And really what I like to tell people now is operating within boundaries because, you know, as young people, they may not act like it, but they want Boundaries. They want to know, okay, how is my behavior going to impact others? And do you care enough about me to tell me no or to not do this? Or I love you enough to say, hey, you do need to do that. And sports, Linda, at that point, allowed me to be able to do that. And it really set me on the path to really my journey. And uh, it's, it's just been amazing how many opportunities that have been afforded to me through athletics, and I, I didn't just play football. I mean, I played basketball. I had college scholarship offers in basketball. I played tennis. You know, so it was just a, it was an outlet, and it was a good thing. It really was. Yeah. So you were an all-around athlete. I mean, what, what made you pick football as the, you know, final, not final, but the, but the path to college, as opposed to basketball or tennis? Well, you know, at the time, I had a lot of success in football. I mean, I, you know, all state, all district, all that stuff, and I played offense <laughs> at the time when I went into college and then on into the National Football League. I, I played defense, but in high school, I mean, that was like the, the glamour part of it. I was scoring touchdowns and <laughs> having opportunities, and so football was fun. It, it gave me, in some ways, and it would later come back to tripped me up, I believe, but it gave me an identity, you know, in many ways in high school. And, you know, when you took that helmet off and people saw you after the touchdown, it was like, well, you know, this is filling a gap that up until that point, I hadn't had that positive reinforcement. Uh, so, you yeah. know, I was a, it just continued on, 
that way, going into so many college scholarship offers that it just made sense. It made sense to uh, accept that and uh, and move forward with football. Did you do you do you ever see that coach anymore? I mean, is he still around and still alive? He is. Uh, I have not seen him probably probably in two years, but I actually uh, went back to the school and I provided scholarships uh, for some of the students. Oh, how great. College scholarships. And so it was my way also going back and sharing uh, about his talking to me and encouraging me. And, yeah, I mean, he he still is a great guy. And, uh, you know, that was I'll, – I'll never forget that because it was a turning point in my life. And I will often share it uh, just because of – just the impact. I mean, there's so many headlines yeah. today of people that are struggling, and there is no positive influence. And so that was really a game changer for me. For you. Absolutely. And you know what I love about your story, too, which we'll, we'll talk about uh, shortly as well, is, you know, you turned a, a major academic. When we were talking, you gave me the title of your, of your dissertation, and, and uh, you know, I've written one, too. And I'm like... It was what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was, it was very scientific, and it, it yeah. really stretched me. It yeah, well, that's great. That's yeah. great. We are coming up to break, and uh, we are talking to Dr. Jason Carthen, who was an NFL football star for the New England Patriots and the Jacksonville Jaguars. He helped bring the NFL to Europe, author of many books, uh, a really TV and uh, radio personality in his, in his own right. So stay with us. We're going to be talking about the rest of Jason's story after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to ILEAD, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. And I have with me today uh, Dr. Jason Carthen. Uh, We're talking about his life's journey and his his story through childhood, uh, an underprivileged childhood, to being a world-famous football star and now a world-famous person around leadership. Um, You know, I met Jason at uh, a human synergistics conference that was uh, a TED talk uh, conference and it just was terrific so I'm going to roll right in and say Jason tell me about your college years so you picked you decided to go to Ohio University and how did that influence you and how did that shape you uh, going forward? Yeah, that's a great segue. I think for me, it was such a transformation. Um, I was I was one of the most heavily recruited athletes in the country. I mean, I had offers wow. from all over Florida State, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, uh, and then all the Mid American Conference schools. And having the opportunity to go and visit uh, Ohio University, it was more of a family atmosphere. It was more of a you know we're going to develop you. As a person, and remember, you know, at the beginning of the show, we were talking about those boundaries that young people desire. Sometimes they don't even know it. And for me, it was right. like, wow, so these people care enough about me that they want to develop my character, <laughs> you know, my integrity. What is that supposed to look like? I, I knew that I wanted to play ball, but I also knew that, you know, I wanted something more. I think there was still something on the inside, and that was just longing for clarity. And when I went there, they really said they would provide that. And so I, I chose OU, and I was still so rough, Linda, <laughs> around the edges. I was just kind of trying to understand my place in the world. And, you know, I'm walking on this yeah. campus, and there's thousands of students, and many of the students don't look like me. You know, I'm you know, African-American. Right. And I was like one in a classroom of three or 400, and I'm trying to understand my place yeah. and how this is going to work. and. So it really stretched me, but all the while, I was still going after my dream. I was disciplined. I was in the weight room before everybody else. I stayed longer than everybody else. I was just really focused on never going back to poverty, one, but then also maximizing every opportunity that was going to be afforded to me. So it was really a transformation, Linda, and and just so grateful. Yeah. So grateful for the opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, it strikes me, you know, you really didn't have a family when you were growing up. And then it sounds like, Ohio, you provided that sort of sense of feeling of belonging and uh, caring that some families, not all, because you know what they say, 
there are more dysfunctional families out there than there are really functional ones. But it provided you that that kind of sense of, of clarity and a sense of belonging. And uh, it, forgive me for being so uh, asking this sort of stupid question, but so there were not a lot of African-Americans at Ohio University. No, no. To give you, probably to give you a, a little snapshot, I mean, of all the minorities there, it was less than 3%, and that was everyone. Yeah. So African-Americans, wow. Latinos, Hispanics, Asians. So, I mean, truly, of that less than 3%, we were all lumped in, but that was, <laughs> it just wasn't a lot. And, yeah. you know, that that has its own sets of challenges, and when yes. we get to the culture part, we'll talk about that, too, because if you don't have diversity, and that's whether it's gender or ethnicity, it can be a challenge for fun. Absolutely. So. No question about it. And I have to tell you this, I, you know, we, did, we didn't talk about this uh, when we talked earlier, but... Uh, I where I went to college, it was an all-white women's Catholic college, so you kind of get the picture here, oh, in yeah. upstate New York, and they were trying to um, be more diverse. And right. so they recruited some people from uh, a, a private high school in Virginia. And so my first roommate in college was an African-American woman. We are best friends to this day. But I always used to joke with her, and sh- and I said, "Yeah, they forgot to mention. Yes, it's uh, they're trying. They have diversity in the school, and you're it. <laughs> and we always used to, laugh, and you're it. They forgot to mention that part, you know. You know but it was a it was so, a heck of a learning. It's so funny though, and you were getting ready to say it's a, a huge learning curve. And- I, I, I- it yeah. was a huge learning experience for me. I was 17 when I went to college, and oh, so was she. And, uh, you know, I learned so much because of that experience that I'm incredibly grateful for today that I, I, I never would have had before. So let's go to that di- diversity question. How, what did you learn from that whole experience, Jason? Yeah, yeah great question. I, I think for me, um, hmm. And this was a hard truth, <laughs> okay, but it was truth nonetheless. I, the majority is rarely, if ever, going to lower itself to engage the minority. That's what I learned. So, now let me give you clarity hmm. and backstory. Interesting. As a minority, yeah. I had to step up my game in order to have a seat at the table and then have greater understanding to be accepted by the majority, and that was tough because everyone's not going to do that, and everyone's not equipped to do it, Linda. So that part was right. hard. Uh, <laughs> that part was hard, and I saw many of uh, my African American brothers and sisters that didn't make it, and they basically yeah. said, "I just can't do this," and and they literally walked away because of that feeling of being alone and a trailblazer in some instances. And it was just a challenge. That part was a challenge. But I learned a lot about myself during that process. So your question is excellent because I knew that, hey, the majority has no emphasis to change because they have the power right. structure. <laughs> it's, it's a tremendous right. uh, number in the majority while the minority is just trying to, and I'm not speaking in terms of people. I'm just talking about numbers now, majority and right. minority. Right. So. That part really spurred me forward to say, hey, you know what, I have to step up my game. No matter what, I'm going to be exceptional. I'm going to give exceptional effort, 
and just continue to move forward. And that just taught me a tremendous work ethic uh, at that time. That's still with me even today. When I yeah, oh, you can tell you have that work ethic. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, and I, you know, just a capstone to that story. I remember when I um, when I got into Harvard uh, for my business management. Uh, certification that was hard yeah. <laughs> I mean I look back on it now and it was that was not easy and it was the same thing you know you're wondering you have all these people here and you know this storied campus this storied you know everything Harvard you know and I'm thinking wow here we go again you know and I'm back back where I started so it, it's just one of those things you just have to Again, remember, it's you. Don't try and blame your circumstances. Don't tell other people, you you got to do this, you got to do this for me. No, you, when you wake up in the morning, your feet hit the floor, get going, uh, develop discipline, yeah. follow through, and make gains, and just grind every day. That's what you have to do. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting that, that you tell that, because, I, you know, there are many people that, like, like you say, that are uh, not in the majority uh, right. women in the workplace let's let's be clear you go to any fortune 500 company you start getting to the top of the house and i used to manage diversity for ge and, and hp you know and it's 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 all white males yeah. and it's still largely that way and and those people that do succeed get through have that ethic that you're talking about i want to make one other point though jason i learned a very important lesson early in my life because i did have an african-american friend still do and i went and i was the only white woman at a party of about a hundred people and i learned what she went through every single day on that campus that I never would have experienced other, otherwise. And, you know, people uh, gave her a hard time. This was, you know, early days. Um, and people gave her a hard time for, for, for uh, bringing a white bringing person you, to the right? party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's so and funny it, if it I can react a, to that. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. No, no, no go, go right ahead, say, Jason, please. If I could react to that, you know, it's almost like an unspoken thing. And, and this relates directly to the whole idea of the show's topic. We're talking about organizational culture, but there are people right. within that organizational culture that bring their own home of origin issues, baggage, uh, all, legacy, yep. all that stuff. And the reality is when you showed up that day, Linda, all the stereotypes, all the mistreatment, all the baggage, all that stuff showed up with you, and you had no idea. Right. <laughs> Folks are probably right, looking at you exactly. like, okay, why is she here? What's going on? Right. And just all those exactly. tapes that people play in their heads yeah. were just yeah. playing, and they're wondering, and even if there were feelings of inadequacy or whatever it may have been, they're assigning that to you because of their home avoidance yeah. issues. Yeah. So. That was a challenge, and you, are, and you were brave. <laughs> you were so right, because this is a, a, a huge issue that I talk about a lot now. You know, we have these tapes that go on that we know from neuroscience that get placed in the brain that cause you to, like you said, you see somebody and you run the automatic tape of what you've learned about somebody who looks or acts like that. Yeah. And this is the stuff that gets in the way, and this is the stuff that creates toxic cultures and not enables people to be who they can really bring be and be the best brings out the to bring out the best in themselves so it's a great point so i want to segue 
a little bit here. I, I love this discussion. We, we could spend the whole show on this discussion, but I want to get to the story that you told about the uh, about culture, what got you interested in organizational culture in the first place. Would you share that story with our listeners? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it was interesting because at the TED Talk, I didn't know how much time I was going to have, so I had to really condense it. But you know, the whole premise behind sharing that talk, you know, was the idea of, you know, how culture can build champions or hide heroes. And, you know, I shared the story of our starting strong safety at the time. You know, we were at practice, and there was some, you know, some great activity going. People were hitting. We were doing what we needed to do. And there was one play where, you know, he had dropped back into coverage, and he lost a shoe. And during the course of losing that shoe, he kept playing. He didn't stop. Uh, he went through on a play, but the coach saw fit to bring attention to it. And instead of... And I'm going to call you right there. Oh, I'm going to call okay. you right there, Jason, because we've got to take a break. And I, wanna, I want to finish this story in its fullest. So stay with us. This is a fabulous story that Excellent. Jason is going to be telling. And it's really very insightful about organizational culture. Stay with us. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. Uh, I'm Linda Sharkey, and I have with me today Jason Carthen, and um, he is just telling this wonderful story about organizational culture and experience uh, from his NFL days. So, Jason continue on with that story so the guy lost his shoe on the field and the coach and what happened yeah so you know as i was sharing basically the coach 
wanted to draw attention to it. And he was known for this. He was known for singling out individuals and making an example at the time. And during this time, you know, the young man had lost his shoe, but he still kept playing. But uh, after the coach had said something, I need to share with you the magnitude of it because he shared it in a way. It was full of profanity. It was laced with all these just just harsh language. And the young man said... (laughs) The young man said, you know what, hey, you don't have to talk to me like that. Don't talk to me like that. And the minute he did that, it became worse. The coach got in his face, and he was saying all this stuff. Get off my field, you SOB, and blah, blah, blah. And we're all just taking it back. And, you know, I shared it at the TED Talk. You could see on my face, you know, we're all just kind of like, whoa, like, he can... He can say that to you, and there's no recourse. And if you try and defend yourself, then it's just going to get worse. So we pretty much understood at that point uh, where the power structure <laughs> was at. And if you try to stand up for yourself, what the outcome would be, or so we thought. We thought that was it. But it was so much more uh, that took place after that. And what I mean by that, he told him, he said, hey, you know, get off my field. You're done. You're done. Wow. This is our starting strong safety. And, you know, we were all just looking like, okay, now what? And so he was standing on the side. Practice was over. So we went back in, and he was cut. He was cut. And that was not the worst part of it because we all got together as as players. Uh, We met, and we were just like, hey, man, that was that was bad, you know, feel for you, you know, we got your back, you know, everything that goes into the synergy of being on a team. And so uh, it was our understanding that he was offered a free agent contract with the Dolphins. Uh, He had gotten a call, his agent had called him. And a long story short, uh, the next day we were told, he told us that uh, he had been labeled uh, that he was a problem and the Dolphins withdrew. Uh, the offer, and the young man to this day, he never played again. Wow, what a sad story. Yeah, and that was tough. That was tough because he wasn't that type of guy. He was not a problem. Uh, He was a good guy. uh, But it just showed on a much larger scale that when you have a, to your point earlier, when you have a toxic culture, that culture will either build a champion or hide a hero. He was a hero that day, Linda. He was trying to stand up for himself and say, hey, man, you don't talk to me like that. That's demeaning. You're emasculating me. What are you doing? But instead of allowing that to be a teachable moment, he was hidden at that point. And it's just that's the devastating part that it transcends uh, professional sports into the boardroom and into the corporation. Well, it certainly does. I can't tell you how many CEOs I have seen and I have personally witnessed, and I'm not going to say any more than that because many people know the companies that I've worked for, who have berated people in the boardroom, in the, in the leadership teams, and think that they're coming out looking strong, and they're not at all. Excuse me, they're, they're scaring people, and they're driving people to operate on the basis of fear. And when people are fearful, they don't do their best. In fact, they hide, and they hide stuff. 
That's right. That's what I like to call hedging. I mean, you are so, your assessment is dead on. I tell people all the time, when I do my uh, trainings or workshops, I tell people that if you are leading by fear, people are going to hedge, which means they're going to do just enough to demonstrate, okay, I'm not going to get fired, but I'm going to passive-aggressively let you know I'm not bought in, I'm not bought into the vision, I'm not bought, bought into the mission, and I'm going to do just enough. So they're going to hedge their bets until something better comes along or until they're found out. So it's one of those things. Power is yeah. a very interesting thing. It is an interesting thing. And you made, you know, when we were just chatting at break, you made a, a very interesting point. You know, people don't want to give up power. People at the top of the house don't want to give up power. And, you know, there's in every corporation, there's an in crowd and there's an out crowd. And it has nothing to do with minority or any of that. We all know who's in and we all know who's out. And sometimes it's even a job category or a job class in uh, certain circumstances, depending upon the, the company. But it's that sharing power that's, that's, that's hard to do, but so important. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think coaches need to exhibit? Because I think that this was fairly accepted behavior in the NFL. Now, you would know better than I because you were there, but what do you think coaches need to do? Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things, and, I, and this is everyone believes differently, but I, I know what works in terms of productivity. A coach, whether they're you know a new coach or a coach that's been around for a while, okay, they need to be more relational. Now, I know I'll get pushed back behind that, but, but here's the thought behind it, all right? You have coaches that will have you perform, uh, they can be dictatorial, in-your-face, aggressive. Uh, you know, when you think about the idea of a aggressive culture and the climate in the organization, it can only be sustained for so long. The same thing holds true for coaches. Yes, they must win. At the end of the day, the coach must win or they're going to get fired, and, and that's what's driving them too. Uh, but you, if you want the most out of your players, okay, you have to build into them. You have to have a relationship with them because this whole idea of performance and peak performance and being motivated on a daily basis, individuals need to know that they are cared about and what happens, they have a say in it. When individuals believe and perceive that they have a say in it, then they automatically have more buy-in. And if more coaches would respond in that way, and we'll just remove coaches for a second, if more leaders would respond mm. that way, you're going to have more productivity from your people. But, Linda, and I just want to share one last thing on that. When you have uh, leaders that are maybe uncertain or they're new leaders or they do not want to risk vulnerability, that's going to be hard because, really, it, it requires them to – Really take a one-down approach and say, hey, I care about you, not about my position of leadership. I care about you, and let me help you to get where you need to go. That is a hard pill to swallow for people that have been aspiring to leadership for a long time. It really is. But it goes back to what's your definition of leadership? You know, if your lead, if your definition of leadership is a role at the top of the house, I think you've missed the mark. That's right. That's right. You, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, 
Absolutely. To me, and I, I know you share this uh, as, as well, but leadership is really about helping others and enabling others. That, that, that's what it's all about. Yes. Um, I am a strong proponent of servant leadership. <laughs> and what you just described, I mean, that is the bedrock of servant leadership. When you care more about your followers and their ongoing growth and development, more so than what you care about yourself at that point. And I'm not talking about some masochistic sort of thing, but more of I want you to grow because we all grow when you grow. That's what I'm talking about with servant leadership. And it's sometimes you get pushback from that because people don't want that relational um, leadership. And, and as a matter of fact, Linda, is what you talked about, women Gender, that whole idea of what Mary Parker Follett came up with in the early 1900s. She said, hey, you know what? We need to be relational with these people, and they're going to do more. And she was laughed out of the offices. (laughs) They didn't even want to hear from her, you know, around that time. Right. So. Right. And people still, but relationship building is becoming more and more of a tenant of a future workplace. And, you know, if you want to build a great workforce, you have to build relationships with people there as a leader. And uh, the great leaders that I've seen, Jason and I, my guess is you feel the same way, is that they're people that know their team well. They know them on a personal level. They know them on an aspirational level. uh, And they know them on a professional level. And they don't view them as just somebody who gets, you know, who who makes the great play. Right. they know when somebody's down, and they're able to to to, to tap into that and and help them. Yeah. And that's an that's an art. It really is. It, it really is, and it's you know I mean what you just described is really just along the lines of the emotional intelligence piece and just the understanding that hey these people matter. I am these people. <laughs> you know that's so exactly let's, right. Let's all come together and. And I don't know how much time we have, but one thing that I realized, you know, people make up organizations. And when you see people coming in and their eyes are bloodshot red and they're hunched over, hey, whatever the business of the day was, let's press the pause button. Where are you at? How right. are you doing? What's going on at home? You know, and within the boundaries of HR, because you, you and I both know <laughs> we can only ask certain questions, but... We have to gain clarity about someone's heart and what's going on with them if we truly care about really making that vision for the organization move forward. So. Yeah. We have about one minute to break, uh, Jason, but I do want to quickly, um, what do you think leaders need to do to build a great culture? What, what, what's your advice around there in about Four one seconds. minute? <laughs> You're not fair, Linda. Okay. Yeah, 40 seconds, actually. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I'd say... Uh, one word in 40 seconds, intentionality. I mean, that's just, we can talk about all this good stuff, but unless we're intentional in the good times and the bad times or during the shareholder meetings, whatever, we still must be intentional or it's not going to happen. And I can give you backstory on that when we come back if you'd like. Yes, I definitely would like that. That would be great. So um, we have a couple of questions that are coming in uh, from uh, emailed in from the audience. And when we come back from break, um, 
Jason, I'd love for you to answer those questions, and then I'd love for you to give me the backstory on uh, intentionality, because it okay. sounds like okay. it's really a good one. Okay, so we are coming up on break. Stay with us. We're talking to Jason, Dr. Jo- Jason Carthen, uh, author of uh, numerous books on leadership, a world-renowned speaker, um, former NFL football star, who in my mind has taken all of the opportunity in his life and turned it into such a great give back to people in the world to help people really achieve their dreams. So stay with us. Um, We'll be back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag #IleadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now back to I Lead the Leadership Connection. Hey, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, and we're on our uh, final segment with Dr. Jason Carthen. And uh, Jason, when you were, when we just broke for break, we were talking about what leaders need to do to build a great culture, and you talked about intentionality. And I think that this is such an important concept. So, what's the backstory here? Yeah, you know, it's so it's so important. I'm glad that you even asked it because you know we want to do. Many of these things that we're talking about, we want to be good leaders. We, we want to be good followers. <laughs> we want to be connected, all these different things. But what I found over the years is that if there is not any sort of intentionality, Linda, life gets in the way, you know. I mean, things get in the way. So with intentionality, what I mean by that, at the end of the day, it should become the norm 
for that leader to inject this idea of a healthy culture into everyone's mind, all right, on an ongoing basis. And so what does that look like, all right? That means we're going to talk about it. We're going to have some uh, meetings that really require us to really talk about some tough things. So, for example, if you're saying we want to improve the culture, all right, are we assessing the culture then? And then if we are assessing it through blind surveys or focus groups where all the senior-level leaders are not there, uh, so people are really gathering and sharing information that can be brought back to the leaders, then that lets us know this is the real deal. They really do care about the culture. They really do want to know how we are functioning and if we are functioning in a healthy way. And then after we have had some of these focus groups or we've had the blind surveys and we've brought back the measurements, then we're intentional about really if there's a need to change it, changing it. And that starts with the leaders, and then it also from there has to be filtered down into more of a shared leadership approach where everyone is having this conversation about culture. Everyone is having a conversation about after we understand the culture is not the best that it can be, then what is the change management we're going to put into place to make this culture what we need it to be. And that's the intentionality piece that I'm talking about there. And it also, again, it goes back to our earlier point, the leader is going to really have to take that one-down approach and say, hey, I'm going to be vulnerable here and understand that maybe, maybe my process is not the best process. And I want to hear from everybody else and then figure out how to move forward. That's the intentionality piece. And that's, that's so important. And, you know, as I think back on my own personal career, you know, when I wasn't, did not have that intentionality. And, you know, there were some times, I have to admit, that I was not necessarily... Uh, focused on others. I was more focused on um, my own career advancement. And, you know, I didn't like myself and I had to really stop. And that was probably the darkest, some of the darkest points in, in, in my career. And uh, I learned a lot of lessons from that, which were very, very powerful. So I think that's really important. And the impact, and you, you did your dissertation on the impact of leaders on their followers, right? I did. I did. And you laughed at me. It was a long title, but <laughs> at the end of the day, um, it, for me, well, I'll just share it. It's called a phenomenological inquiry of the psychological antecedents of preferred leadership. And really, at the end of the day, it talks about the idea of what type of leadership you are under will influence your ability to follow and then also your relationship with that leader. So, Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty important if you think about it. It totally is important. And, and I was laughing, Jason, not because and I wasn't laughing at you, though it is a long <laughs> name. But I did a similar study of uh, leaders in uh, a company that I was working for. Um, and what happened was um, it, it was very interesting because the senior leaders were very aggressive and much like your NFL coach, and um, they were starting to learn through this year-long high-potential leadership program that that was not the leadership model that is really effective. And, you know, unfortunately, people started to leave 
because they realized that there was a better way uh, to live. So quickly, Jason, three pieces of advice that you have for young people today. I'm sure you have a ton of it, but if you had a crowd of young people, I'm sure you have many, what would you tell them? Well, actually, I would, I would give them four. Uh, purpose, okay. passion, persistence, and partnership. Uh, wow. No idea. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we don't have a lot of time, but essentially you must understand your purpose. Everything is an offshoot of that. I tell young people and I tell adults who are asking me, they're established, Linda. I mean, they're CEOs. Mm. And I say, what's your purpose? And they go, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? It's like a deer in the headlight, right? Yeah, yeah. They've gone to all the right schools. They've checked all the boxes. And I tell them, you can't fall for the the check-the-box syndrome. You must know what your purpose is or else it's only a matter of time before you found out whether you're not happy or something else comes in. The second one is passion. Okay, once you are aligned with your purpose, you can become passionate, just unfettered. You're saying, I, I can do this. I'm going to work at it. It doesn't matter if it's night or day. You are focused and you have passion for your craft. Okay? The next one is persistence. You must be persistent and resilient because life is going to punch you in the mouth. That's just who it is and what it is. But if you're persistent, you can push through, you can deal with it, and you'll get back up and fight again the next day. And the last one is partnership. When you are able to stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before you, you are already ahead of the game. You are ahead of the game. You know more than most other people know at that point. And then you grow and you develop and you lean on others with humility. So, I mean, those four Ps really can rocket people forward if they focus on them, because, Linda, people habitually do not think about those types of things. They just wake up, and they do life, and then they realize life is doing them, and it's just not a, right. it's not a pretty picture at that point. I love that. I love that statement. They do life instead of, and they realize that, you know, life is, life doing, is them. doing them instead of, uh, which is, is really important. Jason, thank you so much today for a wonderful, wonderful interview. I, I loved it. I uh, have loved meeting you. I feel it's been a real privilege uh, that I got a chance to meet you at uh, the Human Synergistics event and our TED Talk. And um, if people want to get a hold of Jason, He's a wonderful, inspirational speaker, so I would highly recommend you go to his website, www.jasoncarthen, and he's on all the social media outlets. He has his own show, as I mentioned, a couple of great, numerous great books. So if you're looking for a terrific speaker, I highly recommend you reach out to Jason. So thank you, Jason, again. Thank you, Linda. It was a privilege, and you did a fantastic job. Thank you for having me on. I take that as a as a high compliment from someone like you. So um, I'm just talking about the shows coming up. Um, this month I'm really focusing on the new tenets of the world of work. And one of them that I look at is that culture is king. And I used to think that. I did my dissertation around that. Jason talked a lot about it. But now I think it is essential. It is the bedrock of any great cult company. And you have to have a constructive culture. So my guests are all coming this this month and talking about their personal journey through culture. I have Jean Malnati coming, who has a wonderful story about her own family business that they had to turn around and learn so much about organizational culture. 
Carl Thomas from Hilton Hotels, who's going to be talking about what they did at one of the lower end Hampton hotels and how they made it into a shining star. And Mark Babbitt, who talks about his journey through uh, creating great organizational cultures. And then we're going to cap it off with Janice Semper, a colleague of mine from GE. As I mentioned to all of you the last uh, couple of times, I was recently at GE at Crotonville. I went back to an alumni event and did a workshop on coaching there. And I heard the new approach that GE is using towards performance, what I like to call performance excellence. And I just thought, Janice, this is such a great story the rest of the world has to hear because so many people right now are arguing you have to rank and you have to rack and you have to stack and, you know, you have to give people, you know, you got to get rid of that bottom 10. And there's a better way to do it. Yes, people need to know where they stand. And yes, you have to have some way of understanding who's really doing a great job. But performance is about making excellence and helping people be excellent, not in putting people in boxes. And Janice and I are going to be talking about that. So I'm very excited about the lineup coming up. And uh, I hope you'll join me next week with Jean Malnati. So thanks again for what I hope you found was a a terrific show. And um, I'm just so flattered to have Jason Carthen with me today. Stay tuned for next week. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thank you.